0: Hey, 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 welcome to the Land of Enlightenment podcast. I'm your host, Oscar Duran. Hope you all are doing well. I'm continuing on with the monthly highlights of nonprofits. I'm doing this because I want to do something a little more altruistic and kind of change it up for a little while. Uh, getting booking people onto the show became a little difficult. Um and for my own peace of mind, I think you know I wanted to make more of an impact. Not that I wasn't before, so I'll still have people on the show sporadically, you know, individuals, but mostly once a month about highlighting a nonprofit that's in need. So for the month of July, I'm, uh, I'm highlighting the Children's Grief Center and Susie from the organization came on the show to chat about her role her life how she got there but also the organization's challenges needs um and mission right so they they do a lot of really great stuff especially during the pandemic with so many children losing individuals or um especially parents guardians etc or again um going back to maybe even parents losing children so a lot of that stuff is very difficult and this organization exists for free to the public to help them right um it runs groups it has counseling it has a ton of resources so they do an amazing amazing service to our community and not a lot of people know it exists so it's worth checking out they have really cool camps for children as well I have, i think they have the one going on at the end of july so every july actually so that's something to keep an eye out for um this is an amazing amazing program and organization and i encourage you all to check them out i will link everything everywhere um make sure that you follow uh, them their pages on social also follow land of enlightenment um on instagram wherever you found this you know share subscribe rate all of that uh you're really you know by helping by showing the love to me i guess directly via the podcast it shows me that you're really interested in hearing more about this so i'm gonna keep doing the work um if you all want me to um with that said remember that i love you guys and that there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it bye Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, How is it going?
1: It's going well. Thank you for having me, Oscar. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Uh, If you could really quickly ask all my guests this I know who you are, but you know, and in your own words, um, can you tell me who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Um, my name is Susie Blake, hmm. and I am the director of development for the Children's Grief Center and the Grief Resource Center here in Albuquerque, New Mexico.
0: Okay. Okay. That's quite a role, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's a very fancy title for a fundraiser.
0: Ah, uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, I mean, is, is it an easy job? Would you say it's a tough job?
1: You know, it depends on your personality mm-hmm. and your passion, you know, gotcha. organization that I work for, the Children's Grief Center. Um, I've always been involved with organizations that help support children. And so mm-hmm. that's where my heart is. And when your heart's in something, it makes it a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that, I mean, that's kind of um, a great kind of segue. Uh, it sounds like you've been doing very similar stuff for a while. Um where, where, where did you grow up?
1: So I grew up in a small town uh, in upstate New York called okay. New Paltz. Okay. So N-E-W-P-A-L-T-Z. Um, I think that people who might be familiar with Poughkeepsie or, or Woodstock would uh-huh. then kind of understand what area of the state I came from. So that's where I grew up. Yeah, okay.
0: okay. And a quick question that I ask all New Yorkers is where does up, where does upstate start? because I, I, I get a different it depends on who you answer. ask yes exactly <laughs> and i'm asking um, you Susie.
1: <laughs> i don't know i mean um for me it's like i'm 90 miles north of new york city i think mm. once you get away from where the subways can take you then i guess you're upstate
0: <laughs> okay because yeah i heard somebody say well this line goes just past yonkers and Um, so (laughs) it's, I mean, I've heard people say Buffalo and that's practically Canada already. So it varies. Okay. That's
1: that's that's pretty far upstate. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And then, um, so you, you've, I remember from having conversations with you, you moved around mostly for school and then, you know, other stuff, right. Um, Mm -hmm. what did you study in college?
1: So, um, I left, new york mm-hmm. uh after i graduated from high school and mm-hmm. went out to oregon state university in corvallis mm-hmm. that's where we have our oregon connection and yeah, um yeah. i was uh, on the track team at oregon state and right. yeah so i was a high jumper and uh, my bachelor of science is in physical education with an emphasis on what they call commercial and industrial physical fitness. Again, another <laughs> fancy title for working in health clubs or setting up fitness programs in corporations, doing fitness testing at hospitals, that kind of thing.
0: Okay, all right, that's really that's really awesome stuff. Yeah, How, how often have you used that?
1: Well, when I... <laughs> So when I got out of school, Uh I actually did um, go to work. Well, I did an internship at a fitness center in Corvallis. And then Mm. I did go to work um, at a fitness club in Portland, Oregon. Mm. Um, And Mm. so I was with them for about a year or so. And then I went to work for a brand new organization. up-and-coming weight loss company called Jenny Craig. I'm kind of oh. dating myself. And, um, <laughs> gotcha. and because I had a background in um, exercise and in tr- in nutrition,
0: mm-hmm. I was able
1: to mm-hmm. be hired by them and was a trainer for their weight loss counselor for a number of years.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting. So, I mean, that, that seems very different than what from what you're doing right now, right? Yeah um how where did that transition happen where did that kind of yeah change well the
1: the transition came and and this is not in any way meant to um shed a bad light on Mm -hmm. the for-profit world but Mm -hmm. i came to a point where I was all about wanting to help people reach their mm-hmm. goals, be successful,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, get the help and the support that they needed. And I just found that there was more of an emphasis on sales than mm-hmm. I wanted. And so I decided that. Um, I wanted to go into the nonprofit sector so mm-hmm. that I could continue to keep kind of fulfilling my passion and helping others, but not necessarily have, so to speak, the the pressure or the sales pitch. Um, and so I <laughs> left. So fundraising,
0: huh? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I know. It's, it's pro- people are probably scratching their heads saying, isn't that the same thing? Uh, yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. But I... I shifted from working sure. for profit to um, actually working for the American Red Cross in Portland, Oregon. Okay, okay. And and that was my first role in the nonprofit world. And mm-hmm. what was unique about that position was I worked in donor services, and so that's the group, the department with Red Cross that helps set up blood drives, and so mm-hmm. all of our goals were measured Mm -hmm. in pints of blood. So I wasn't raising money. I was raising blood because the hospitals (laughs) have a need for blood and they have to get it from somewhere Mm -hmm. and they need a certain, and they need a certain level. They need it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my role was to go out and set up blood drives throughout the uh, community that I was involved with and make sure that we were bringing in the amount of blood that we needed to serve the hospitals in the portland community.
0: Okay, so it's like some project management, some event kind of um oh, yeah. creating yeah. stuff like that, right? Volun-
1: volunteer recruitment, event planning, mm. logistics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um bringing new um businesses on board, new, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. places that would do blood drives. So we did everything from um, Intel to really small, small high schools. Um, you know, so it was a variety of places that helped to support us with blood drives.
0: Did that, did that sort of kind of work come easily to you?
1: It did. You know, I just really enjoyed being able to get out into the community and meet people, Mm -hmm. um, and talk about the need that we had for, for blood. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, kind of getting them engaged in how they can help support the effort, and I think that that was uh, very rewarding, not only for myself,
0: Mm -hmm. but for
1: them as well. So it's, you know, it's kind of that win-win situation that you always hear about.
0: That's really great. That's really awesome. Um, I mean, and so what brought you down to New Mexico? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, a personal relationship, and that's as far as I'll take it.
0: <laughs> so, no, of course. You know,
1: actually, I had a stop uh, from or- between Oregon mm-hmm. and New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I actually moved to Michigan mm-hmm. and lived in Grand Rapids for a number of years, where I continued oh, in that's the nonprofit right. sector. Uh, I worked for the Boy Scouts. Uh, the March mm-hmm. of Dimes, uh, a local public museum, as well as the local NPR and PBS station. And That's so,
0: amazing work. You've done a lot.
1: I've, I, yeah, I have. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know what, the skill set is pretty much the same. It's about building relationships,
0: uh-huh. um, thanking mm-hmm.
1: people for their support, uh, making sure that people are aware of mm-hmm. what the mission is and how mm-hmm. important it is. Um, and then, you know, just trying to have a plan in place to make all of that happen.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that makes, that makes absolute sense. So let like kind of shift over to what you're doing now. Um, so with this organization, what have you noticed as far as the, what, what kind of drew you to it and what, what parts of the organization do you feel like, um, you're, you're proud of, I guess.
1: Wow, you know, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people in the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. if asked this question, would say, after coming out of 2020, we're, I'm just proud of the fact that the team pulled together and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. even though, you know, what our organization does at the Children's Grief Center and the Grief Resource Center is we provide um, peer support group um, services for those that are grieving the loss of a loved one. Mm. So in other words, um, we serve children, Mm -hmm. uh, from littles to middles, teens, tweens, Mm -hmm. and young adults. So ages five to 25, and they're in a group of other kids in their same age, Mm -hmm. uh, working with a bereavement counselor. And Mm. what that bereavement counselor does is facilitator does is that they help, uh, lead the conversation and help the kids just process the grief and give them an opportunity to share their stories. Because mm. if they didn't have, if they don't have that kind of support, what can happen is it can lead to some lifelong consequences. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, and so it's, we just provide this free service where not only kids, but adults can get together with others who have gone through a similar situation and, just understand how they're feeling and know that it's natural and also uh, know different ways on how to cope with that grief so that if and when the next death comes, mm-hmm. that they're a little bit better prepared and they just have a little bit, they have a little more mental um, health yeah. in their tool belt, you know, some better coping skills. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were in person you know, yeah. that's what we do. we were, we're yeah. in person. And so when COVID yeah. hit, everything mm-hmm. had to shift to online. And so mm-hmm. I'm really proud of the fact that the volunteers, and we have over 100 volunteers that mm-hmm. help us do this. We really couldn't do the work without them. Um, and, yeah. our, and our staff, we have a very mm-hmm. small team. There's mm-hmm. only six of us. Um, you know, the program team really pulled together and made sure that there was not... Any hiccups in the services mm-hmm. that we were providing to those families, because it was—it's very important that they have that support, um, that continual support.
0: So yeah, yeah. you know,
1: it's—and uh, I think for me, it's just again being able to help people mm-hmm. in their time of need and just give them the ability to have some resources and understanding about what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm so that you know hopefully down the road they're okay you yeah
0: know? yeah absolutely it sounds like a very you know very good um and as altruistic as possible work you know it's i think okay. it's it's uh, an imp- it's important work as well um right. you mentioned a little bit of it obviously with going virtual but what are some of the other challenges the the organization has faced over this last year <sighs>
1: We moved, you moved. <laughs> so okay that's a big challenge like so, physical um, spaces right yeah yeah so um we're actually in our 20th year of
0: um oh, wow. okay. of
1: providing services mm-hmm. and during that time we've been in a variety of different locations that have been leased uh, mm-hmm. and so a few years ago um the leadership of the organization felt that it was time for us to have our own facility, our own mm-hmm. permanent location. Sure. And they went out and purchased um, a building that had been used as a former radio station mm-hmm. here in Albuquerque and uh, started raising funds for the capital campaign to make the renovations. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of December, our lease was up where we were. Mm-hmm. and it wasn't going to be renewed and we felt like it was now time for us to move into the new location, even though it wasn't anywhere near complete. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we got enough, uh, enough figured out. So we got some heat, some water, some Wi-Fi, and some electricity and, uh, (laughs) a couple of toilets. And, (laughs) um, we moved in at the end of December. Um, now, I guess if there is a silver lining for COVID and for the pandemic, the fact that we were online allowed us the ability to move into the facility Mm -hmm. knowing that we weren't going to be serving anyone in person for a while. And since the staff was really working from home, um, a lot of us weren't in the office as as well. So Mm -hmm. our challenge right now is to continue to raise funds so that we Mm. can Complete the renovation of the building. Uh, we're increasing the size of the building, of, so we have a yeah. lot more space to serve our families. We went from 7,000 square feet to almost 13,000 square feet. Uh, yeah, and we're mm-hmm. also going to be housing about. Uh, there's five offices for mm-hmm. wellness practitioners, mm. so therapists. Uh, massage therapists, acupuncturists, um, those offices will be for lease. And then we also will have three Mm -hmm. um, spaces for, um, similar nonprofit organizations. So like suicide Mm -hmm. prevention, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's organizations out there that just don't have the ability Mm -hmm. to rent or own a large space. So by having, um, an office in our facility called the Center for Hope and Healing, um, they will have access to our conference rooms and things like that um, at a real reasonable rate. So the idea behind the Center for Hope and Healing is is it's not just for our services, but it's for other nonprofit providers as well as therapists um, that can help our families and also run their practice during the day. And and bottom line, since I'm a fundraiser, it helps us pay our bills too.
0: Well, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. At the end of the day, it's uh, um, the non-profit, nonprofit organizations have to figure a lot out on a small budget. Yeah. And it really depends on the goodness. And again, the altruism of a lot of other people, right? And um, wanting to help or give in in whatever right. way. And, you know, I will say volunteer work is great. You know, I'm never going to deter, deter anybody from volunteering, but um money helps pay the bills. So, I mean, yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So, and that, you know, mm-hmm. I,
1: well, I'm sorry, I was gonna say, no. and we don't have, you know, I guess in scale, mm-hmm. we are we would be considered a small nonprofit. Our our annual budget is mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. more than half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like we get a lot accomplished
0: for, yeah. for yeah. that
1: amount. Um, and again, going back to volunteers, Mm-hmm. Um, all of our bereavement facilitators are, are volunteers, and they come from all walks of life. Mm. And so they're the ones that are running the actual support groups. And we offer 18 of those throughout the week. So, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. great that we have them. We couldn't do it mm-hmm. without them. Yeah, this yeah. wouldn't be able to support a payroll that could do that. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It requires, you know, it, 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 it takes a village sort of thing, right? Yeah, and absolutely. it's a very important thing, especially when you're providing um, such important services to the, the community here in New Mexico on the larger scale and then Albuquerque more local, right? Um, but it's not just Albuquerque that you provide services to, right?
1: No, we are the only, um, Mm -hmm. grief serving, uh, organization that's specifically just as focused on providing grief support in central New Mexico. But one Mm -hmm. of the things that we learned Mm -hmm. and we found with being online is that we did have a broader reach and we had Mm -hmm. folks joining us, uh, for our grief support services from Colorado and Texas. And in mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. parts of New Mexico, so we see that as a continuing component of our services. Um, we'll probably do that more so with the adult programs that we have, um, yeah. and we'll see how that goes. And then possibly um, incorporate it back into the into the children's program if it's working well.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it sounds it sounds like I mean you do you say it's the the only right? So what I mean. That makes you pretty unique.
1: Well, yes, it does. Um, You know, (laughs) there is another grief serving organization in the Mm. state of New Mexico out of Mm -hmm. Santa Fe, um, Gerard's house. Um, And there's a lot of other organizations, churches, Mm -hmm. um, hospitals Mm -hmm. that will provide kind of grief uh, workshops and networks and um, courses and and groups but we're the we're strictly focused on grief so we don't work with any other um, you know concerns or have any other components mm. to our program it's mm-hmm. we're focused on serving the grieving community
0: okay okay yeah. and i mean it, it's it sounds like maybe you've been working over low, like overtime, time with with the pandemic as well right
1: yeah you know <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. statistically
1: uh, just to give you an idea um new mexico up until recently was fourth in the nation when it comes to childhood bereavement and so Mm -hmm. that's a child um under the age of 18 who's experienced the death of either a parent or a sibling and so it's Mm -hmm. an immediate family member in you know and it's not an aunt or uncle or grandparent
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. um unfortunately we moved up in the rankings and we're now yeah. second yeah. in the nation. Wow. Um, okay. And so, you know, nationally, over 40,000 children have um, experienced the loss of a parent caretaker mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with COVID. And so, yes, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of grief. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that it's also become. And again, in a strange way, if there's a yeah. blessing to the pandemic,
0: yeah. the fact
1: that it has put grief out there mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. made it more public and mm-hmm. made it more acceptable.
0: Right. Um, right.
1: And as a society, you know, if you think about it, and, and different cultures work with grief differently. Absolutely. But we're always kind of told to, you know, not talk about it, or we mm. don't talk about it with children because we want to protect them. Right. Um, where where we need to talk about it, we need mm. to express how we're feeling um, and know that we're not alone. So yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't speak. I could speak more highly of the, of, of this organization. Um, obviously, but it speaking to kind of the fact that you, healing as a whole, so the society needs to heal, right? Um, especially when it comes to our our next generation. And these children, right. because that ta- that that it is, it, is, it is in fact a trauma, gets internalized if it's not addressed, and then it comes out in very strange ways, right? It comes out sideways, um, later yeah. on in life, and I mean, who knows what the long-term impacts of this, of this trauma is? It's gonna be right. So we need organizations like this,
1: right? so we need so Mm -hmm. what we do is try to help them understand what they're going through Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know children i mean Mm -hmm. children grieve differently than adults do um and they can't grieve alone adults we can kind of you know we've had some life experience Mm -hmm. under our belt Mm -hmm. and um you know and if we choose to hold everything in and and not Mm -hmm. talk about it then Mm -hmm. that's our choice but for kids They just don't have an understanding particularly the young ones about what's going on I mean their whole world has just been turned upside down and a lot of times we we say that children are magical thinkers they will create the story of what Mm -hmm. happened and it's Mm -hmm. not oh and it's usually not the right story Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times they'll say things like you know, if I had just worked harder on my homework, my dad wouldn't have had a heart attack. Or if I mm, hadn't, you know, been tubby. playing soccer, my mom wouldn't have died in that car accident. Um, you know, internalize so, it. Yeah. so they internalize it and they create a story that n- that's not true. And so by talking about it and getting those things out and sharing it with others, they mm-hmm. learn that, you know, death is natural. Um, mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. what they are feeling is natural, yeah. and that it's okay to grieve, and that things are gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, because if we don't address the grief, we no. know statistically there's increased chances of suicide substance abuse
0: yeah.
1: behavioral challenges like anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and you know dropping out of high school so mm-hmm. it does have a long-term impact not only for the individual but for our society as well mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you think about it so yeah. Um, yeah it's an important service and and mm-hmm. I'm you know you're talking about what am I proud of that's what I'm really proud of is the fact that you know Somebody can call us Mm -hmm. and we will talk with them to get them, you know, kind of on board, make sure that this is the right program for them Mm -hmm. and then have them go through an orientation so they definitely know what this is all about, you know, Mm -hmm. how the program works. And then get them started and then they Mm -hmm. can stay with us as long as they want to you know we're not going to kick them out after 20 groups or anything like that so
0: that's um, that's very i mean very good work and i think to give a little background on like how i think or my my understanding of how people sometimes approach grief with children is that um, they think that, yeah, they're protecting them by not telling them the truth. Right. right. And uh, like you said, they their they magical thinkers. They make up the story. And for the listener, I mean, I'm not sure if the people listening or watching this are aware, but uh, all your memory is, is a story you tell yourself over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you tell it enough, it will become real to you right? Yeah. And it and it, creates, it creates this narrative and you perpetuate it. And I mean, there's a ton of psychology behind it. Yeah. But the, the point is that children really are capable of understanding these things, despite how many people don't um, believe so. Um, they think that they're too fragile. Um, so they make up these stories and tell people or tell children, you know, they laughed or I don't know, whatever. Uh, when in reality, it's very, it is very important, right? Um, And I I could speak to it because, you know, my children have lost family close to them and myself and, you know, and and having to expose a child to that, it's never easy, but it's an important thing to do.
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and we want to be able to give Mm -hmm. the kids kind of tools on how to, be okay in the Mm. outside world with others, you know, because, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to school after a parent or sibling Mm. has died can be really Mm -hmm. hard, and they need to know how to be able to handle that. Um, You know, other kids may want to may want to make them feel okay, you know, Mm. by saying something like, you know, I know how you feel. I, my dog died, Mm -hmm. but it isn't the same. And you can't replace, you know, you can replace the pet, but you can't replace the parent or the sibling or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. we help them kind of work through all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, part of what we also do is we provide training bereavement facilitator training and training to um, social workers and clergy and mm. school counselors and That's EMT awesome. and firefighters and chaplains, mm. because um, sometimes they're the first on the scene mm-hmm. or they're mm-hmm. obviously in touch. They're a part of that village that, that is surrounding that child mm-hmm. and giving them the ability to understand how to approach grief with children is really important. Um, yeah you know so we provide Mm -hmm. that training as well for the community and we also have um, a library Mm -hmm. with free resources and so if people are interested in some of that we have that available as well too
0: so Mm -hmm. you know the
1: the bottom line is is that children are going to be curious and they Mm -hmm. and they're going to want to know what's going on and when we Mm -hmm. tell them something like you know you're your dad's gone to heaven. That's too, still too open-ended. You know, they're thinking, well, when is dad going to come back from hem- heaven?
0: You know? Uh, and, they, think they, 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 may, they start making heaven a real place where they can visit, yeah. right? Yeah. I think that's a thing, which is just regardless of your belief system, it, it's not, you know, it, it's not right. something you want to kind of create in the child right. early on.
1: Yeah, so you just have yeah. to be really truthful and factual with them Mm -hmm. in an age appropriate way.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) But explain to them, you know, that they, they have died. Mm -hmm. They're no longer in pain. They can't feel anything, but they're still with you in your mind. And, you know, all
0: all, all the
1: memories and really the best Uh thing for what people should be doing when they're talking to a child is to share with them the stories and the memories that they have of the person who passed away. Because that's what kids want to hear. They Mm want to know that grandpa grew the best tomatoes in town. And they want to know that, you know, mom was mm-hmm. an amazing volunteer at, mm-hmm. you know, for animals. It, so those are the things, that's how we should treat uh, children when we come across them when they're Yeah.
0: Grieving. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, it's uh, a lot of people feel like they have to do this alone. There's resources, right? That's why you're such a vital part of this community is not just because it's um, you know, you're helping parents maybe um, with their children or children in, in general, but um, you know you're you're really providing the service when death is a, in fact a part of life yeah uh, you know it's um and so it's it's something that you know we can't run from and it, it's um as a society we've become very avoidant of the topic yeah. um and fearful of it uh when when in fact we sh- we really shouldn't be as as it's easier said than done of course
1: right Right. Yeah. And, you know, you brought Mm -hmm. up a good point. Um, So our services, do reach all ages and stages. And so mm-hmm. obviously families are coming to us with their children and then mm-hmm. there's support groups that are available for the parents as well. Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. also offer adult support groups. So we merged that in 2019 with the grief mm-hmm. resource center who was mm-hmm. doing similar work with adults. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to have a child in our program in order to receive our services. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. so, you know, if there is, you know, if adults are grieving and they want to get some um, support, Mm. they're welcome to attend our adult um, support groups as well. And the adults aren't broken down into ages. um, They're broken down into what the circumstances is behind the death. And so,
0: you know, we started
1: a COVID-19 support group. We have an all male support Mm -hmm. group because men and women grieve differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so we have a group for parents who've lost an infant child, or
0: grandparents yeah.
1: who are mm-hmm. now working with grieving children. Maybe the grandparents have now mm-hmm. become the primary caregiver, and so yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. And people, uh, listeners of this, um, know this about me. I, I, I'm kind of a self-help and self-improvement junkie to an extent, right? I always really want to keep growing, and I could, you know, I, I personally am a big fan of support groups. Mm -hmm. um, and seeking help from others and finding kind of that solidarity and fellowship with those who have maybe experienced a very similar thing. Um, so if you, if you're listening to this and you know, you're going through a difficult time, there's resources out there, right? Um, a bit of a shift though. Um, I do want to ask what, what's, you know, what are you all in, what, what's your biggest need right now as an organization? What what do you need from the community? What do you need? You know, um, for me.
1: <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me on because yeah. you know I think one to you need to spread the word. Yeah, mm-hmm. people need mm-hmm. to know that we are here Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. we have services and they are free we know that when Mm -hmm. there's a death in the family finances are uncertain Mm -hmm. and so we certainly don't want to burden somebody who want who is seeking help to financially have to come up with the funds to be able to support it so with that being said yeah we have to pay for our services somehow and so (laughs) um (laughs) so we look to the community for for their financial support, um, mm-hmm. and so you know, we we work with foundations uh, for grants. We work with individual donors who support us, and mm-hmm. we work with businesses who support us as well. And so you know, those are the three prongs or the three legs, typically, of a nonprofit as far as revenue goes. Um, mm-hmm. The other one is earned income, and so like for us, that will uh, be coming from the rent that we're receiving from the wellness practitioners and the other nonprofits. Um, But we always are looking for ways to, you know, share our story. And then if that story touches your heart, Mm -hmm. ask that you help to support us financially. Um, So, you know, people can support us in in different ways. Um, They can go online to our website at childrensgrief.org and just make a donation. Uh, we have a really cool thing going on right now where mm. we are raffling off a half acre lot of land in Rio Rancho. Wow. So That's
0: really awesome. So you know,
1: um, we we had a don so we had a donor so this is how people can help. We uh-huh. had a donor donate the land to us and they wanted to do this raffle to raise money to help with our renovation costs. So the it's tickets amazing. are $50. We're hoping to sell a thousand tickets. So mm-hmm. we're hoping $50,000 to go towards the renovation costs.
0: Yeah, And it's kind of
1: a fun, unique way to be able to raise that support.
0: Um, I mean, know, I want all these links campaign. and all this information. I'm going to share the heck out of yeah. it too, but Please yeah,
1: do, but yeah. So the, you know what? So people can help support us in a lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. if there's businesses who want to get involved with us, that's great. Um, One of the things that we're exploring is some of those um, corporate responsibility partnerships. So looking for those local businesses who want to come up with a way where they can help provide us with proceeds on an ongoing basis. Mm, So we mm -hmm. recently connected with a a local coffee place in town and they're selling bags of coffee for us that are specially blended for the children's grief center. And we're getting proceeds from that. So
0: sales of that. Okay. Yeah.
1: So something that doesn't take a lot of resources, Mm -hmm. it benefits us, it benefits them. We are collaborating together to get the word out and Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. a great partnership. And so we're looking for more of those partnerships
0: that's this all sounds very amazing um i mean the the more we can draw attention to this the better if you're listening or watching this i mean i encourage you no i'm asking you and i'm telling you to go do it (laughs) go donate go buy a raffle ticket right you may get like a fifth (laughs) uh was it quarter acre is that what you said
1: it's a half acre half half
0: half acre lot for fifty (laughs) dollars
1: yes for fifty dollars and so it's undeveloped i want to be transparent it's undeveloped so there's no utilities but the great uh, thing about this property and again all the details the address right. google maps everything is online is that there is civilization up quickly approaching so
0: you I know I mean it's the not margin like the margin on that flip is going to be huge people so buy yeah. buy tickets
1: so the owner right. has yeah. given the value at $5,000 a couple of real estate agents have told me it's more but I'm going with what the donors Told me so see
0: so yeah. yeah I mean I quick anecdote my dad in their early 80s was buying was told to buy land out where a real Rancho is now and he said nobody's ever going to live out there
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and recently it's he huge, told me he it's was kick, he was kicking himself because he could have bought I mean I don't know how much it was but a ton of land out there and he didn't do it yeah. this is your opportunity to do it right yeah. so I mean yeah. I'm going to buy our tickets <laughs> I well sure i am. think
1: that um i think what's going to happen is mm-hmm. um i don't think that it's even gonna i mean obviously it can be a lot that you could build on mm-hmm. but i have a feeling that there's going to be a builder who's going to want to build Commercial, and they're going to see mm-hmm. that that lot is privately owned and you um, go. Maybe make you a great offer who knows i i don't have a crystal ball i'm not <laughs> it has nothing to do with me anything, promising the anything, winner anything, yeah
0: anything. <laughs> yeah you have you have land to your name. Said
1: a Brit, you know a builder's gonna approach me I have no idea
0: you've never I'm been a, you've, right you've never been able to kind of this is a pretty this is a very good deal this is a very good yeah. deal and you're you're doing it for a good cause so keep that in mind as well Susie yeah. you are a saint your halo shines brightly I really appreciate you Thank doing you. this work not just for the organization but for the community that I live in as well and your community as yeah. well. Um, you know, share the links. People, if you're listening, watching, there's no shortage of ways for you to contribute. So go out there, get out there and do it. Um, And then let me know if you have any questions, people. Um, Susie, we're going to debrief real quick, but if you guys are listening or watching, thank you so much for for doing so. Remember that we love you guys and that there's nothing that you can do about that. Bye.